Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we have an old friend back. Hamish Knox. Hamish is an expert in selling. He's a Sandler devotee. And what we're going to talk about today is his new podcast, Full Funnel Freedom Podcast. Hamish, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me back, Umar. So I have this vision, Hamish, of, uh, you know, it's 3000 BC. There's a market and Mm -hmm. someone's in the market to buy a camel. And there's two camel dealers in this market and one camel dealer is killing it and the other one is kind of struggling. And you know, at some point someone had to go, how come he's selling more than the other guy? Totally. So I wonder if there was sales training way back when. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was usually called uh, scar tissue. Uh, there you and, go. <laughs> and uh, learning or learning from experience, I think is the more polite way of saying it. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, Hamish, is when you uh, look at a resume, people are smarter, they're prettier, they're more handsome, they're more accomplished, and then you hire them and then you see the real them. So, Hamish, tell me about your new podcast, Full Funnel Freedom, why that's important for sales leaders and salespeople. Thanks for asking, Amar. So the podcast, Full Funnel Freedom, uh, comes out every Monday morning. Uh, episodes are typically 15 minutes or less, and it's designed for sales leaders who really want to have a funnel that looks like a funnel instead of like a pencil or an accordion or upset stomach in a in an antacid commercial. So it's it's very quick, actionable insights that can be implemented right away to support not only the sales leader in their mindset and their activities, but also in coaching their salespeople to be more effective and efficient. Brilliant. I'm going to go sign up right now. Thank you much. Brilliant. So sales leadership is often a challenging place to be. Yeah. Sometimes you get people that are sales leaders, true leaders, and other Mm -hmm. times you get a really good salesperson that gets promoted to be sales leader, which is a different skill set. Totally. So talk about that. Well, one of the things that we coach the leaders we work with on is our people don't work for us because they love our company. They work for us because working for us gets them to their personal goals faster. At least they believe that. And if they end up leaving, they'll tell us it's more money or bigger title or whatever. But really what it comes down to is they believe that going across the street and working for the other person is going to get them to their personal goals faster. And so this where the top performing sales rep who becomes sales leader, that's actually a misalignment at the upper C-suite level where they don't actually understand that sales and sales leadership are two very distinct skill sets. And the person who is crushing it as a salesperson, that may be their life's goal. All they want to be is the best salesperson they can be. As much as they love their colleagues, they have no interest in leading them. They're very happy to demonstrate and show, hey, here's how I do things. But that's not what they want to do. They want to be out in in the field, rocking and rolling with clients and prospects on a daily basis, as opposed to trying to create success through others. And that's actually the question I ask our clients because we do have clients who are very successful salespeople who, of course, get offered a sales leadership position. And my question to them is, 
do you want to create success through yourself or success through others? Neither is good or bad, but you have to pick one because if you only want to create success through yourself, just be a salesperson. And that's absolutely wonderful. If you want to create success through others really truly, then you might be good in a sales leadership role. Absolutely. And I think there's another element to that as well. And sometimes we have these pre-programmed paths in our society that I'll be a salesperson, I'll become a sales manager, and that might be my path to CEO. Totally. So it's oftentimes people that are really good at sales. I wouldn't say oftentimes, you'd know better than me, that we just think that's what's meant to happen next. And we step into that role and realize this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And uh, I, I... I struggle with linear thinking, and that's uh, like what you just laid out is a very linear path. and And the world is not linear; it's it's it, it's matrix based, it's exponential. And so uh, that's where often though we we do this very quick, like if this then that. If I'm a salesperson, then I become a sales manager, then I become VP of sales, then I become CEO. and And the world doesn't work like that. and And it's on us as as leaders at the top of the organization to look and reflect and say what is the skill set of this individual that I've got who is performing really well in this role? Would that skill set translate really truly, not just a gut, oh yeah, absolutely, because I want to fill a role, but would that skill set really truly fit over? And then the other part is, does that actually tie into their personal goals? Because if their personal goals do not relate to becoming uh, a higher level in the organization, then putting an individual in a role that they really don't want, even though externally they will say they want it because as you just mentioned, that's our linear societal progression from salesperson to sales manager, et cetera, we're actually going to end up losing that person because they're going to not perform very well in that role for however long it is. It'll probably be less than a year. They're going to leave and now we're out our best salesperson and a sales manager. Absolutely. And I think there's a really good way of measuring what's going on in our lives. And I think that's uh, happiness. So let me ask you a question, Hamish, Uh, on a scale of one to 10, in what you do, helping leaders and salespeople do better, what's your level of happiness in what you do? (laughs) Uh, If the scale went beyond 10, I'd say that, but it's certainly a 10. Uh, Quick story, my my eldest daughter, who is now nine, I think she was seven at the time when this happened. So I actually had a leadership session to facilitate on my birthday. And nice. so she comes downstairs, you know, I'm downstairs getting ready for my day. And, and she comes downstairs and gives me a hug and says, happy birthday, daddy. And I said, oh, thank you. And she says, well, do you get the day off? And I said, well, no, I mean, some people do take their birthdays off, but no, it's not, you don't get a holiday on your birthday. And she said, uh, so are you going to work? And I said, well, I don't actually consider what I do to be work. So I'm going to go do that and come home and take you and your sister to soccer practice. And her mind was just melting out the side of her, side of her right. ears. Cause she's like, I don't understand what this means, but that's, that's really when someone says, you know, what do you, what do you love about what you do? I say, it's literally the last thing I'll ever do. And it doesn't mean I don't have other interests. Um, I have a vision board just above my desk where, where I'm recording. Am I on uh, it? it uh, you certainly are. Oh, and, uh, and we have lots of things on there that, our interests outside of what I directly do with the podcast and with Sandler and uh, and connecting with friends like you, uh, but it I, I love what I do because I get to support people professionally and personally at every stage of their life and business. Thank you for sharing that. And actually, for the last minimum five years, I've had a speech on my birthday 
And that makes me incredibly happy because I'm doing what I love to do, which is sharing ideas. And, and so the reason I brought up the happiness thing is if you've got a salesperson and you ask them, what's your level of happiness in what you do? If they're doing an eight or above, excellent. And if mm -hmm. they go into sales leadership and that happiness scale falls down to a four or a three. Yeah. And just getting them to imagine now, all of a sudden you're not responsible for your behaviors. Mm -hmm. You have to influence the behaviors of salespeople and you know what they're like if you've got mm -hmm. kids. Uh, <laughs> and so for some people, it's, it's a challenge. They love it for others. It's like, just, just put your finger on happiness. I think that's a great indicator of, uh, uh, how much you love what you do and, and how well you do. Cause that, uh, the happier you are, the better you do. Amen. Amen. And, and, and leader sales leadership is really transitioning. You know, the, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves, uh, yep. you know, never really was effective. definitely not effective today. Uh, and, and the, the old model of really organizational hierarchies came out of, out of the military and, and, and those are starting to evolve and change. But from a, a sales leader perspective, it's, the carrot stick idea is just just not relevant anymore, and it's really getting to know our our salespeople as people, understanding what are their personal goals, and tying achievement of their personal goals to achievement of their corporate goals. And if there's a misalignment in there because the goals are too small on the personal side to realize the corporate goals, well, that's a conversation we can have in advance. Uh, I tell the leaders that we work with to have emotional conversations without the emotion. If you're my sales leader, Amar, and my goals are, my personal goals are too low to hit the corporate goals you have for me, my sales targets and whatnot. Well, let's have that conversation in December or January uh, instead of the following no December when you're like, hey, Hamish, you haven't hit your targets. What the heck? Shape up or ship out. Right. Absolutely. And I think expectations in any leadership position, setting those for the people that you lead mm -hmm. uh, is critically important because people want to know where am I and what do I need to accomplish? And oftentimes that's kind of left a little nebulous. And yeah. I think also, like you said, falling through throughout the entire year, because the job of the sales manager is not to, like you said, punish the sales reps is how do we bring out the best performance? Absolutely. And the way to do that is to put your finger on the, on the pulse of the economy, our company, that salesperson. Mm -hmm. and helping them see a better version of themselves. Very true. Very true. And I, I just wrote an article called Ambiguity Kills. And uh, a couple of examples from that, the the sales example was the salesperson, uh, when they're asked about an opportunity, it's like, well, I'm planning on calling Umar next Tuesday. It's like, okay, so Umar has no idea that you're calling him. And so there's no there's no clear next step. There's ambiguity in the sales cycle. And then on, on the leader side, you know, it's the, it's the person who comes on board and it's uh, Hey, Omar, you know, glad to have you on the team, you know, go sell stuff. And it's not necessarily that literal in the real world, but if it's just like, Hey, Omar, here's a target go like, well, how am I supposed to get there? What resources do I have? How are you going to support me? So a leader's number one job is to create clarity uh, with their people, clarity yes. of expectations, et cetera, et cetera, so that they can be successful without them. Another thing that we coach our leaders on is when you bring a new person on, we want to reduce their time to self-sufficiency, which can be a scary idea for a lot of leaders because they think, well, if my salesperson's self-sufficient, they don't need me. No, no, no. You know, armies need generals, uh, uh, arts organizations need directors, sports teams need coaches. All of the individuals in those organizations who are professionals can do their job on their own, but they still need guidance, coaching, and direction. 
And that's where the leader needs to be spending their time as opposed to sitting on top of their their salesperson going, did you make that call? Did you answer that objection? That That's not helping anybody. Absolutely. And I think in the old world military with the uh, the British, let's say, it's like mm-hmm. we're going to stand in a line and your commander's behind you. You do what that person says. And if they get shot, we're fucked. Yeah. And the modern warfare was very much, you know, how do we empower people at the front lines? Because every plan changes when it hits the enemy to exactly. give them the ability or ways to think so they can actually be flexible uh, where they meet reality. Totally. Totally. There's a, there's an example I heard, um, and I, I will not mangle the German name of it, but it's basically uh, – uh, it, it comes down to management by objectives is be the modern term for it. But basically, the way I, I way it was told to me is in, in World War II, the American military commanders who were on the ground in Europe would get a phone book, which is a very current reference, worth of instructions on how they were supposed to do things, right? We're going to yes. take this town. Here is the completely detailed documented plan that we've made up miles away from where you are with with old information, but you're going to do this plan. Whereas the Germans would say to one of their commanders, uh, you're going to take this town and we need you to take this town uh, within two weeks. So go. You have real-time information. You adjust as you need to. Your goal is to take this town within two weeks. And if you, you know, if it's getting to, you know, 10 days from now and you haven't done it, you need to let us know that so that we can either send in reinforcements or adjust the objective. And and that's from a from a sales leadership perspective, clearly defining the mountaintops for the salespeople, clearly defining the 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 waypoints along the path to that mountaintop and saying, you guys can design the path yourself to get from base camp to the top of the mountain. I just need to, you to check in with me at the waypoints to make sure that you're on pace because our people are probably going to find out better ways to get to the mountaintop than we ever could on our own. Absolutely. I think it comes down to leaders inspiring the people they lead to step into the who they were meant to be yeah. and giving them some guidance. So, you know, in these situations, this is how you strategically think, but the thinking's yours, go execute. Yeah. So let me bring this down to a personal level for me. Sure. So I've been like one of those people that's been a one-man show, a couple of admin folks. As you may remember, Hamish, you know, I do keynote speeches. We do breakthrough coaching on figuring out where people are stuck. So I'm about mm-hmm. to hire our first salesperson. And the reason I'm doing this is I am amazingly gifted at my craft. Mm-hmm. But growing the business is not one of those. So I'm going to pick my first salesperson sure. coming up to set the tone for hiring more salespeople. Mm-hmm. Uh, what wisdom do you have to share with me, which would be educational to our listeners, sure. to pick that first person? Because they're going to be basically designing the processes and mm-hmm. a professional way to grow the business. Uh, uh, thank you for asking, Amar. It- one of the things that I recommend to all, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, a solopreneur, right? Yes, you have administrators and, and things like that, but in terms of uh, growing the business, you're you're it right now. Uh, I always recommend starting with a specialist. Uh, the the hiring like a, the hunter farmer mindset is is something that is is pervasive, and the the fact is that the idea of quote unquote hunter, well, there's a whole bunch of moving parts that are in that, uh, from, you know, initial connection with a prospect and then from initial connection, moving down into like qualify closing. And then on the flip side, the account management side, which account management has largely been passive. I'm more interested in proactive expansion of accounts. So for an individual in, in your position where, you know, you're it, you've got support, uh, behind the scenes, but in terms of being client facing, I always recommend hiring a specialist, especially someone at the top of the funnel. 
So I call them lead qualification experts. Yep. And having that person who can really take someone from, you know, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, thanks for your inquiry. Can you tell me a bit more about why you reached out to our organization? And and really almost pre-qualifying. And then by the time that prospect gets in front of you, your your uh time to close, for lack of a better term, is significantly shorter because they've already been primed and prepped and pre-qualified by your lead qualification expert. So when you connect with them, it's really, it's not an if conversation, it's a how conversation, right? We're not if we're going to work together, it's how are we going to work together, which from my own uh, experience, because up until recently, I was the only one doing all the sales, I'd rather have how conversations because we're already working together. We've already agreed to do it. So that's what I would strongly recommend is is hire a specialist, which may seem a little like, well, I don't necessarily have enough money to pay a specialist here and a specialist here, a specialist here. You will because you'll find that one specialist and then that specialist will expand your funnel to the point where you're like, well, I don't have time to qualify close anymore. Now let me bring on a qualified closer who is very process oriented, very focused on taking that conversation from you know, glad you had a, a good conversation with my colleague. Let's figure out how we can best work together so uh, you can, you know, realize the the benefits of working with Umar. Does that help? It helps a lot. So one of the things that I'm noticing is, you know, we have people that are doing cold calling because it's still mm-hmm. a tool that works. Yes. But we're finding that, you know, out of a hundred calls made, there might be four or three conversations these days because yeah. a lot of voicemail is being hit because people mm-hmm. are just not picking up the phone. Totally. Uh, Any thoughts on that? How to kind of change that equation? Yeah, actually, I read a book back at the beginning of November called Tech Powered Sales by Justin Michael and Tony Hughes. I'm actually looking at it. It's on my desk right now. And there is a, they talk about sequences um, or, or cadences. And actually my, my inside sales rep, uh, his name is Ethan. He, uh, he is implementing a 15 touch strategy uh, that's talked about on page 79 of that book. And, and it's really accelerating our funnel because our prospects all have a lot on the go. And we teach, we coach our clients to be stand out on how you sell, not what you sell, uh, because what we sell is a commodity in the minds of our prospects, doesn't matter what we're selling. And so uh, in addition to the cold calls, which I a hundred percent agree, absolutely work um, using very strategic um, emails and LinkedIn messages. And uh, we're, we're big fans of Vidyard. We're partners with Vidyard. So we use asynchronous video to connect with our prospects in real time. And then depending on what CRM you're using, if you're using one at all, is to be able to track uh, clicks and opens and and really be on top of the, the prospects who open something. Uh, the metric is three or more times. If someone opens three or more times, they've engaged with it. If they open it five or more times, it typically means that they've forwarded it on to someone in the organization. So having a, a lead qualification expert who is hyper-focused on a, a very distinct set of prospects at one time, working them through a cadence, whatever that cadence might be, is going to increase the amount of qualified opportunities that go in the funnel. And the ones that don't convert after the 15-touch cadence, they go into a nurture campaign and we're just dripping out pieces of content that might be relevant to them. And eventually when they engage with that content, now is the time to reach out and actually have a conversation. 
That is brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. I'm actually, I brought up uh, Tech Powered Sales, Achieve Superhuman Sales Skills uh, yes. on uh, Amazon. And dear listeners, right now for $2.99, you can get the Kindle book. And so uh, I'm going to actually hit buy as soon as we finish this podcast. Thank you for sharing that. You're very welcome. So one of the things is, you know, we need some lead generation mm -hmm. to allow this person to en start engaging with people. What are your thoughts on lead generation? Lead generation can mean a, mean a lot of things. I uh, I am a big fan of content. Uh, I I appreciate there's lots of content out in the world now, uh, but I'm a big fan of of content and and hyper personalization. So when a prospect gets a piece of content from me, it is not bullet points and pages of dialogue. It might be a simple infographic and a one sentence. Hey, Omar, here's an infographic from our most recent Sandler Research Center report. Thought you'd appreciate it. Curious how this information is appearing in your world. Is it worth a 10-minute phone call? And and having having that information appear uh, in, in the inbox or when they're looking for, when they're searching for uh, certain things like uh, like coaching or like a keynote speaker to be able to have these little bits of information popping up that are relevant to them in real time, which it causes them to engage. For me, lead generation is about number of conversations I have. It's not about number of clicks or number of downloads. I actually want engagement. So whatever I can do in my lead gen to create a conversation, that's what I want to put out in the world. Brilliant. And I think you said, you know, hyper personalization is very much how can you meet people where they're at? Yeah. I was talking to a guy who, are you familiar with Vistage? Oh yeah. Peer advisory group do great yeah. work. And I was talking to one of the chairs on, on the podcast and he was saying that his number one acquisition tool is engaging in LinkedIn. And a lot of that engagement is what you described. So it's not selling anything. It's illuminating, uh, mm -hmm ideas in people. And that leads to conversations that leads to leads to sales. Absolutely. And so a Absolutely. lot of times, sorry to interrupt, uh, just publishing content because I need to publish content is not what you need to do. What you need to do is to really think about who is my uh, audience mm -hmm. and what are the five or six critical things that are uh, mm -hmm. uh, getting in the way of them being successful and creating content that speaks to that. Totally. Uh, we'll get people to self-select when they engage. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very true. And actually, one of the things that uh, talked about yesterday, I actually did a, I did a, a working session with Vidyard on how to use video at every stage. And one of the things that we talked about is, you know, putting up a piece of content, whether it's a video or an infographic or an article uh, or a podcast, and then engaging with the people who engage with that content. So let's pretend you and I Never met. We hadn't met. We hadn't connected before. I put up uh, the the latest episode of the Full Funnel Freedom podcast, and you uh, even just like it. You don't even have to comment on it. You like it or celebrate it or whatever the other uh, emotions you can express on LinkedIn these days. I send you an in mail, Umar. Appreciate you liking the uh, my my post on my, the most recent podcast. Kind of curious, what were your takeaways or what resonated with you? Uh, you know, love to connect offline for 10 minutes if, if, if you would to uh, further the conversation. Now, you may self-select. You may not respond to me. Hey, that's fine. Doesn't hurt my feelings. On the flip side, you might say, hey, Hamish, yeah, really enjoyed this part of the podcast. Would love to dive deeper with you. Here's my phone number. Give me a call. And now I've got a conversation. That's the whole purpose of lead gen. 
brilliant. Actually, I was uh, doing some training for a group of realtors uh, on a regular basis. And on one particular meeting, uh, one of the sales guys was saying, you know, hey, I got this guy to list his house and it's going to be you know, a $2 million deal, da, da, da. And the uh, team leader goes, wow, you know, how many times did you reach out to the guy to get him to engage? I know you've been trying for a little while. And the guy says 21 times. Wow. And I guess in the salesperson's mind, not this particular salesperson, but generally it's like, I don't want to bother them. If yeah. I send them stuff that they don't want, then they're going to mm-hmm. be like really mad at me. It's like, nobody remembers you. Nobody cares about you no. until they do. Mm-hmm. And it was that 21st contact and the guy was in the right space and he went, yeah, let's talk, let's do this. And I think that's one of the things that we, sales is such a, a beautiful profession, mm-hmm. a lonely profession, True. one where you're confronted with your own demons mm-hmm. and your demons are much more scary than the customers out there. Yeah. Yeah, very, very true. And my uh, my colleague, Antonio Garrido, had uh, shared some information with us from, I believe it's the North American Sales Association. Most net new sales are started between the sixth and the 12th touch on a prospect. And yep. most salespeople give up after three. And it's exactly what you were saying about, oh, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to be a pest, et cetera. And I bet if we called that prospect who this salesperson, quote unquote, doesn't want to bother, and we said, hey, do, do you know such and such from this company? They would say, who? So yep. our job, and and this is actually something that's told to uh, uh, Sandler trainers when they first get in the network is, if you're having call reluctance and you're thinking, you know what, I just, I'm done with my call today. I don't want to do it. There is probably a CEO sitting at their desk metaphorically tearing their hair out going, I wish I had a solution to my leadership management sales challenge. We could be that solution, but they'll never know if we don't reach out to them and we're doing them a disservice. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that is just makes you want to smack yourself in the face is you're working with a client and they have not purchased from you. And then after the two or three attempts, you give up. And then Mm -hmm. six months later, you reach out again and saying, you know, Hey, how are you thinking? I said, Oh my God, we just hired somebody to do that. (laughs) And it was yours in your palm of your hand, but you just gave up too soon totally uh, because you thought you were being a pest or, uh, they don't understand they're idiots. Uh, and (laughs) it's like finding the chosen few and staying connected is critical. Very, very true. We, uh, one of the things that we coach our clients on is, and especially leaders to coach their salespeople on is again, creating clarity and telling a prospect, uh, after, you know, let's say 12, 13, 14 touches, 15 touches, the last touch is the, it feels like you never want to have a conversation. If so, that's okay. I don't like loose ends, close the loop and let me know that, that you don't want to have this conversation. I won't bother you again. We get a lot of calls back going, Oh no, 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 totally. I've just, I've had a lot on my plate. I really want to talk to you guys. I'm really sorry. I didn't get back to you, et cetera, et cetera. Or if we're engaging with a prospect and they're really just not treating us as an equal, they're really trying to, you know, make us say and do things that are not in our best interest, you know, multiple quotes and proposals, no, no commitments to a next step. We're allowed to say, you know, Umar, it feels like that this is possibly going nowhere, uh, I, I certainly hope that's not true, but if if this is going nowhere and you've decided to go in a different direction, just let me know. Your time is valuable as is mine, and I'd prefer that you know we we spend our time in a productive way. Um, and if that's not here, I'm okay with that. No, now doesn't mean no forever in my world. What would you like to do? Brilliant. 
And it goes back to where we started the conversation about setting expectations, not only with your salespeople, but with your customers as well. Very true. Very, very true. And that's one of the things I love about the Sandler system is uh, that upfront contract, which is like, you know, hey, this is what I'd like to accomplish during this meeting. What do you want to accomplish? Let's agree Mm -hmm. to that. And let's have a nice conversation rather than leaving things nebulous. Yeah. Yeah. Ambiguity kills. Absolutely. Uh, I've done a couple of articles on uh, complacency kills, but we'll see which is the more deadlier thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think both. I think, I think they're probably they're equal in both cases. Yep. So uh, one of the areas that you know I'm focusing my company on is, uh, so we help salespeople on their mindset. And of mm-hmm. course, having the wide world of sales is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then another part of me is like, focus on realtors. Mm get focused. And of course it makes more sense to focus, but then there's a part of you that goes, but what about the other people? So talk <laughs> me out of it, Hamish, talk me into focusing in the area and why that's important. If you think that's the case. I, I'm a, I am a huge fan of, uh, I think the cliche these days is niching. Uh, but I, I'm a huge fan of, I, 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 I believe focus equals freedom. It's a bit of a mantra with our clients, right? Focus nice. equals freedom. So yeah, you can uh, chase shiny objects, purple squirrels. Oh, uh, this tech stack and this tech thing, and you know this is going to make my life. No, no, no. It 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 really comes down to how do we have more effective human to human interactions? And starting in a place like we'll just say realtors, because that's the example you gave. Get really, really good at realtors, which which you are, and as you go forward, eventually you're going to start to get ancillary opportunities where one of the realtors who you've supported said, Hey, I got a buddy who's a mortgage agent. We're kind of uh, referral partners. Could, could you help the mortgage agent? And like, well, you know, is a mortgage agent kind of similar to a realtor? Sure. Uh, could I take what I've done with realtors and turn it into a mortgage agent? Sure. Did I burn calories actively pursuing this mortgage agent? Not at all. So what's the harm in going down the path of this mortgage agent? Because I've got this engine already going with realtors that I know is going to keep rolling. And so it's okay for me to now, oh, let's just make a, a slight shift to the right, to the, you know, one inch to the right. Let's talk to mortgage brokers now. And maybe I get really awesome at mortgage brokers and the mortgage broker goes, hey, do you do anything with, you know, real estate lawyers? Like, oh, never thought of it before. So the key thing with niching is, being able to say no makes us more valuable. It makes us more desirable. But also getting really focused allows us to perfect what we do really, really well and then be able to apply it to other niches in the future that we're brought into as opposed to us going out and seeking it. Brilliant. Hamish, before we part company, mm-hmm. is there a mind hack or a technique you use to become more efficient or happier or more successful that you'd like to share with our listeners? I actually was just talking to my, I, I have a new associate on board, uh, started about four weeks ago and they are absolutely crushing it already. Uh, but there's some things that they aren't staying on pace on and they, and they shared this with me proactively. They said, Hey, you know, I'm not doing this. And I, I know it's part of my onboarding plan. I said, okay, well, how can I support you? And they said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with uh, time management, which I think you and I have probably heard a, a thousand times. I said, well, yep. I'm a big fan of traps and traps have a very negative connotation because out in the real world, yeah, they, they hurt. Uh, but the trap is for me, if this, then that. So as an example, um, 
if I come into the office in the morning uh, it, it, and I sit down at my desk, I make three cold calls. So the minute right. my my bum hits my chair, I make three cold calls. So if I sit down at my chair in the morning, I make three cold calls. And and it's those little traps that actually create momentum because I make three cold calls and maybe I left three voicemails, but I feel really good. Well, maybe I'll make a fourth cold call and then I'll go get my cup of coffee and then I'll dive into my CRM and then I'll dive into my cadences. But because I've done that little trap, I, I can generate momentum. I use it at home all the time to make sure that I exercise. You know, nice. it, it, you know if, I, uh, if I get home and I'm changing out of my suit, I put my workout clothes on the bed because then they're on the bed and I got to move them when I go to bed and I feel kind of bad if I have to move them and put them back in my dresser. They smelly. They smelly. You feel bad. Definitely. Exactly. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to suggest a name change if I may. Sure. Let's call it Tripwire. Oh, I like that. Because that like one that. has no negative connotations and it's just what the wire does. Yeah, it's true. Tripped, something happens and I hope that helps. I love that. I love that. And Hamish, what are three challenges that uh, sales organizations are facing right now that, you know, you work with a ton of them? Yeah. What are the three biggest challenges right now that they're kind of dealing with? So uh, three biggest challenges right now, they have no clearly defined process, which is the what information that their salespeople have to gather from a prospect to determine whether or not they're closed, uh, which is different from a selling system, which is the how you go get that information. But yes. what in, having a clearly defined process, having a clearly defined um, ideal client profile or ICP is the cliche these days. Um, because until you have that, anybody who falls into our lap or who we trip over is an ideal prospect and you and I have a, enough scar tissue to know that that's just not true. And then the the last one is a lack of consistent role playing by the leader with their salespeople. The the hardest four inches to move in our life is our brain to our mouth. And yep. as Sandler said, never practice in front of your prospect. But sales leaders tend to be very reluctant to practice with their salespeople in an, in an effective way. And our, our best practice is the leader goes first. And because they've had really bad experiences when they were a salesperson in role play, they're reluctant to do it with their people, but is the single best way to develop a sales team is through role play. So just addressing that a little bit, Hamish, at one level, it sounds like really dumb role play. Do I really need to do it? Sounds dumb. Mm. But if you're a musician, Mm -hmm. Every single musician that's out there that is successful does one or two or three hours of practice every single freaking day, whether they started when they were three and now they're 92, they still do it because that's how you reach perfection. And our rehearsal for uh, our profession is role play. Totally. Brilliant. Hamish, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, it's always a joy. And I took a lot of notes. It's like a piece of white paper with a bunch of notes on it. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me back, Umar. Uh, I, I really enjoy chatting with you every time we connect, and uh, and I'm excited to uh, to see how things go for you with your new uh, new hire. Brilliant. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results. 